Hello, everybody. Welcome to Optional Opinion. I'm your host, Eddie V. Thank you guys for joining me. It is the epilogue of the Beauty of Video Games Volume 4. I Once again, I would like to take uh, this time to thank Trey and his crew from the, and Jeremy from Nintendo Domain, uh, Jesse White for uh, helping me out, and Eric Hunter for coming on the show to talk all about the beauty of art and characters. You know, the art of the character. So, I had to get someone really special to close this one out. Now, in the past... Did they cancel? Did they cancel? <laughs> Hush, I'm trying to introduce you. <laughs> no, they did not cancel. Uh, I had Josh Brett doing one. I also had Eric Hunter doing last year's one. And those guys did a phenomenal job been doing the eulogy slash epilogue. I'm going to call it an epilogue. But joining me, he is the head boss in charge of Nerds Gone Rogue Radio, NGRRadio.com, my home where you guys will find Nintendo Power Block, Arsenal X, Plat- Nerds Gone Platinum, the B-Size, in our main uh, show, Nerds Gone Rogue. Everybody. Give a round of applause, standing ovation to the one, the only, my boss man, Mr. Corey Derrick. Yay! Yay! I'm here. Woo! <laughs> Hi. Hey, Ed. I'm here. Yes. Thank you for having me on your prestigious podcast. That's what I'm going to call it now. The the most prestigious podcast on the internet. Uh, I guess you know, I got to get back into doing more episodes. It's been a while. <laughs> so, I, I've been working lately, everybody. So uh, doing multiple things. So, but yes, everybody. That this sounds is, like it. That sounds like all of our lives right now. Pretty much. <laughs> so, oh. uh, yes, everybody. Uh, I asked Corey to give us the epilogue for this uh project i um, and i do apologize way in advance that this episode took long to get out to you guys due to the fact that we have been very busy we had to wrap up pod and play nintendo uh the nindy showcase podcast and doing our own personal things in life and for ngr radio you know, me recording multiple episodes of different various podcasts. So we kind of been busy. So we were able to take time to catch a breath and record this epilogue. And I cannot wait to hear what Corey has to say about this project, like to wrap it up. So, uh, every, if everybody, I just, I do oh, want to, I want to say one thing about this, this whole beauty of video games thing. Like, when we first met, you were when you when you were doing like I think when we started doing stuff together, you were doing the second round of Beauty of Video Games. Yes. And like I was I was like, man, that's cool. He's like putting a podcast out like a couple times a week talking about this stuff. And then this year, you like blew the doors wide open where it was like podcast after podcast after podcast and then I would be at work and I would get email notifications. Edward Varnell posted on NGRRadio.com. I'm like, geez, I'm getting like three and four of these a day. It's sometimes <laughs> I'm like, this dude is, uh, we were talking, we were talking on, uh, nerds gone rogue the other day. We were like, does Ed ever sleep? Does Ed ever sleep? Cause he does so much. 
Because, like, I always, like, shocked how much you do for me and us for Nerds Gone Rogue. And then you you still have optional opinion that you do stuff with, for all the time. And it's like, what are you doing? And then you're doing World One One with Larry. And it's like, man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I, I just have a passion for games. And to actually to answer that, I think once one up.com closed and once I got a, uh, I left my previous, um, uh, network, uh, I, you know, needed, when I came to NGR radio, it was just like, you know what? Corey, you wants to build this as as a brand. I want to get this more recognizable. I want to get this out to the community and stuff. So I'm like, he brought me on, and you know, I want to do my part in delivering content. You know, I I I need, like I said, I need to learn how to edit videos and stuff like that. But it's just like I to have the freedom that you give me to bring stuff for people to read to. Um, create all of these podcasts and these episodes it's just like yeah i'm i'm busy <laughs> with my personal life but you know i i'm like i enjoy getting content out and getting that creativity out and sharing it with people um so i do get sleep at like one two o'clock in the morning <laughs> but yeah sometimes you and jesse are talking till like two or three o'clock in the morning and then when I'm get up for work and I'm driving to work, there'll be another message come through from you. And it's like, it's like three hours later and you're still up. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's uh, my life. is uh, weird, everybody. I think this is what happens when you're single and you have no children and you have nobody, you know? Yeah. Trust me. That changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, thank you, Corey, once again for joining us. We're going to jump into the beauty of art. And the reason why I, I decided to do art and characters, like in a, when I first started off, um, I did, you know, the companies, Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, and those consoles. And then um, I went into genres and uh, did stuff, stuff like that. Um, I did like Pete tried to talk about PC handhelds and mobile and some other stuff. And so this year I focus on we're, we're in the age where there's so much art and art styles that we kind of don't appreciate. And, uh, it's, it's kind of weird that, you know, the, the games that from the eighties and nineties are kind of making a comeback in this year. So I was just like, you know what, let's revisit some different art styles besides sprite-based games, you know. And there are a ton of art styles that I could have talked about, but, you know, just some of them that was very historic. So I uh, kind of want to ask you uh, in general, uh, and we kind of had this talk a little bit with when we talk about, like, wind work and stuff like that. What is your approach to art styles for video games? Like, what appeals to you? Why you think they're beautiful? Um, whether they're whether they work or not. This is a this is a loaded question. Uh, like, it just depends on. You know, if you're going into a game, you 
and you see the art style, you got to know kind of like what you're going into and going in for. Like, I think right now I'm playing Shadow of the Tomb Raider, right? And you're still making your way through Breath of the Wild, which we give you crap for all the time, but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, but I think those games are equally beautiful and two totally distinct and different styles, right? Yes. Like, I love how beautiful the landscapes and the, the jungles are in Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I think the character models in that game, like, at least of the main characters, look, they're some of the best character models I've seen outside of, you know, maybe Gorilla with Horizon mm-hmm. or, you know, some of the animations in, in Uncharted 4. You know, like, I, I think that those character models are, are amazing to look at. Uh, you know, and, you know, we, we always used to make fun of, uh, the original, when Tomb Raider Definitive Edition was re-released on Xbox One and PS4, we kind of made fun of the hair physics because that was like the big thing they were promoting, right? Yes. But it's true. Like you look at some of these games and like sometimes the hair just looks like a helmet that is shaped like hair on their head, right? And it's not like, it's not a bad thing. It's just, that's just the limit of the technology and they wanted to use that that engine somewhere else instead of you know hair and you go into tomb raider and like you're like man this hair looks like looks freaking real and you know on xbox one x when you're swimming and she comes out and her hair's wet and she pulls it back in a ponytail you can see the hair dry right i mean rapidly but like right you see the hair dry and it com- comes from like a like a wet hair ponytail into like, you know, just normal hair, right? And it looks amazing. But then you then you go over to Breath something like Breath of the Wild and it's like man, this this is like the perfect merger of what we loved of Wind Waker with Ocarina of Time with a dash of Twilight Princess if you turn the brightness up all the way, you know? And it's just like, man, this is just like this art style is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And part of that is the limited technology of what Nintendo puts in their consoles, right? But at the same time, Nintendo knows how to utilize their technology and do what fits their uh, uh, direction, right? And Mm -hmm. Breath of the Wild nails it. It's one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. Yes, it's... Even when you look at the trailer... A breath of the wild it didn't look at the final product i'm still amazed on um, just looking at the backgrounds and seeing stuff move seeing like yeah. the smoke and the fog and, and the rain and stuff like i remember someone made a joke that how come nobody couldn't get water right until nintendo well and it's also like in breath of the wild you can literally stand on the great plateau when when you right when you turn on the game and you see the castle you see death mountain you see you know you look off to the to the left and you see the snow capped mountains and it's like yeah in games they say if you if you can see it you can go there but usually you know in something like skyrim or or grand theft auto or red dead or something right you you look out there and it kind of like you can see out there and the technology makes you believe that you can see what's there, but as you get closer, it kind of draws it in, right? Yes. But in Zelda, you can see that, you know, and it uses it uses that. It's a similar effect that Skyward Sword used, 
where like remember in Skyward Sword you could like oh I can see over there but it was like this watercolor painting and as you got closer like stuff started to fill in right uh-huh. it use Breath of the Wild uses that effect so much better than what Skyward Sword did and it's like you you can't even notice because it just fills it in so naturally right yeah and, and it's I- just it's just like man it's it's so it's just I, I I feel like Sky Resort was the template for the artwork for um, Breath of the Wild. And that's not a bad thing because when I literally when I see Sky Resort in motion, my jaw dropped. I'm like, this looks phenomenally beautiful. Yeah. And it yeah, just, and like I, I feel bad because like. Skyward Sword is one of probably one of the more underappreciated Zelda games, yes. and I, you and I have had this conversation many times. Is like, I loved where that game was going story wise, and how the game like the the uh, what do you call it the like the the narrative or yeah, not the narrative, like the way the 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 baseline RPG mechanics uh-huh. were starting to work in that game. Uh, but the the motion controls just really kept me from really enjoying that game. And I always felt really bad that I never finished Skyward Sword because of the motion controls. And, like, you know, I still have my Wii U hooked up because I it's it's on our, our backlog challenge thing that we're doing, right, like yeah. for 2019. And it's like, I really want to give that game another shot. And it's because that game looks so beautiful. And like, you can transfer that over to breath of the wild and say the same thing where it's like, man, this game is so beautiful in so many ways. You know, like I love the way, like I, I was just, I was just looking at that. Cause I, on my switch, I have probably four or 500 screenshots just from breath of the wild. <laughs> yeah. And I was just, I was slipping through them the other day just because like, I've really, I've really been wanting to go back and replay Breath of the Wild, like a lot, but I, it only has one save slot, which kind of makes me upset. But like, I'm looking at this game, and I'm just like, I love the way shadows are depicted in this world. Yeah, right. It's just like you look at the, like there's this distinct uh, image of Zelda in her, like the blue kind of royal top that she's wearing in the in the black pants but like the pants look gray Mm -hmm. because she's in the sunlight but then there's this very distinct like shadow line but it works so perfect in the art style and the shirt was like this bright blue but then where the shadow was it got this just like this darker hue of blue and it was just like man this this art style and the way the lighting works in this game is just amazing it's just it's it's just like it's mind blowing. Yeah, it's it's a, especially especially with all the things that you can do in that game that don't revolve around the graphics, right? Exactly. Like, and and we're probably we're gonna like kind of jump around with this topic before we get to characters. Um, it it's kind of almost, and this might seem weird, everybody. Um, digitized games on how that kind of was a big thing back in the 90s that it was something that we've never seen and it never really got any refinement as time went on um in, in the blog i talk about you know mortal Kombat 
and like games like Pit Fighter and stuff that use kind of like digitization. Um, and it, it's kind of weird seeing how that was kind of all inspiring and breathtaking as they as more Mortal Kombat games came on. And kind of almost in like Breath of the Wild, it's just like seeing how from Wind Waker to Skyward Sword and even Twilight Princess, like you mentioned, to how all of that accumulates to what Breath of the Wild is. You know, it it there's there's something that's just like good gosh, this looks crazy good. And it was just like they refined it and added it more and just gave it some freshness to it. You know, and like if you look at Mortal Kombat One and Mortal Kombat Two, even from the arcade games, you kinda see how they refine those games and stuff. So it it's a weird connection, but I'm just like when I guess when you refine certain art styles and it makes it look better and better, it makes definitely in this modern age like very just like you respected it in another level you you appreciate it more than just saying oh the game just looks good and then move on from that there, there's stuff that you pinpoint and can discuss and talk about yeah yeah for sure I mean like it it was this weird thing in the in the 90s where like you know fighting games were coming up in the arcades and arcades were dominant right mm-hmm. and super nintendo was really you know that we had some of it in the nes era but not great i mean let's face it the nes ports of donkey kong and, and pac-man are not they're not great right i mean they're yes. they're fine but they're not great you know and and you know with the switch on nintendo's nes online i've actually played a lot of donkey kong <laughs> <laughs> last night instead of my usual nighttime tetris i was yeah. playing donkey kong instead i'm like let's switch it up a little bit and like just like it, it moving into the 90s when arcade games started becoming big and in street fighter 2 and then you kept getting upgrades to street fighter 2 because they wanted to make it faster or you know we didn't have patches back then you had to go get a new a new board for the arcade machine to make it right faster or you know a tweak some of the fighters or whatever you know and that's why that's why there's like 450 versions for super nintendo because they just kept releasing it and uh but you know as fighting games rose and super nintendo started showing what it could do you could bring the arcade home with you and the super nintendo version of street fighter 2 is a beautiful game yes it's one of the most stunning games on on the platform still not made by nintendo Right. It's just like the pixel art, the animations and and it's just man watching, you know, E Honda do his fury fists and like, you know, Blanca, you see Blanca do his little like electricity huddle thing. And it's Uh just like, man, you could see like there's so much work that went into these ports then that like. I mean, Super Nintendo kind of killed the arcades, you know. I mean, I mean, we still have arcades well, around, like Dave and Buster's, and it arcades evolved from like cabinets to more like, you know, Daytona 500s yeah. and Mario Kart GPs, and and you know, the, the big more kind of, you know, the good example of that is like that the Halo Fire Team Raven game, right? Mm-hmm. 
that's kind of where arcades move to instead of, you know, classic games like Galaga and, and Pac-Man and Street Fighter. And it's just, man, I, I don't even know where I'm going with this conversation. I just, I was just having fun talking about old arcade games. <laughs> oh, that's just, why. That's, that, that, that's part of optional opinion. That's, that's kind of part of the beauty of video games is watch, is looking at things. Um, like, art in arcade games. And, and how you can look at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was just about to game. bring. I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> I was. I was about to bring it up and say like, I remember the first like, there's a big lots where I grew up, like right down the street from my uh-huh. parents' house, and we would go there. And and I was like three, but I was still like obsessed with Ninja Turtles, right? And my parents would leave me at the Ninja Turtles arcade game. No quarters. They would just leave me there and let me mash on the buttons. It made me think I was playing, but I was so like, I'm like, this looks just like the cartoon. And then the, and then like a year later, my cousin got it for me for NES, like the arcade game. I'm like, I can play this at home, you know? And it's like, okay, the NES versions don't look as good. Right. And like, it's, it's still whatever, but I was playing the Ninja Turtles arcade game that I loved at home. Right. Yes. And then when Turtles in Time came to Super Nintendo, uh, just, uh, I mean, it's it, it, it was, might not be the best game on Super Nintendo, but it's my favorite game on Super Nintendo. Oh, it, the games that, the arcade version was the ultimate experience, but some of the games that came to the Super Nintendo version exceeded it. Like, Turtles in Time had more levels. Yeah, it only had two players and stuff, but, you know... When you look at it, just be like, this almost looks like the arcade game. And then you can switch it to where it looks like the turtles are from the comic books. Mm-hmm. Which I did all the time, right? Because it, it, gave, it gave them more personality, right? Yes. And it, it's like, you know, you got the... They looked more like the toys that I had because Michelangelo was more of that that teal green color. Donatello was brown. And, and you know, Leo kind of had that light green look to him it was like uh-huh. i don't know i just i liked playing that way better because even though i i was obsessed with the cartoons i loved ninja turtles action figures right and like yes. when you when you come visit next year or whenever the next time you come up here i'll have to show you how many teenage mutant ninja turtles action figures i have i i used to have over 200 ninja turtles action figures you, the, you, you i have the i have the van I have the weird like shredder like hot rod mobile. I had I used to have the blimp, but it popped and it was just like oh. wow, well, you can't can't really do anything with that. I have like the sewer, like the underground sewer playset uh-huh. thing. Uh, the o- the only thing I didn't have was the Technodrome, but it was like super expensive. And then at the by the time that thing started coming out, I was like kind of into Power Rangers and the fact that the Megazord could transform. I was like. My friend had the techno drone, my next door neighbor, uh, he, and he's still my best friend to this very day. Uh, he's probably on the same level when it comes to turtles because he had about 200 some toys, same as you. The van, uh, we would watch the cartoons, we would play. The, he had the Super Nintendo first before I did, so that's how I got to play turtles and stuff. And I was just like, man, look at this, look at this. It did, um, in the arcade, there was a game called Martial Champions. And that art style is kind of what 
Konami took to make Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters. So, it, so Sprite Games back, definitely back in, even when Mortal Kombat hit, um, kind of had to like a little bit be downgraded, but you also had Claymation. Um, so you had the Clay Fighter game. Um, you had, um, uh, stereoscopic i think it is it, i cannot think of the name of it i'm sorry everybody but you had like uh f- i think it's flashpoint something like that uh where it was like almost one frame um didn't that didn't that game just got, get re-released for switch like a I, special like 25th anniversary edition yeah, or something yeah so i mean you had stuff like that and then even with the sega cd you still had 16 bit games but you also Going on to the new next art style was full motion video, F and V. And so of course you had games like Night Trap, uh you Sewer had Shark. Sewer Shark, uh the Make My Video games. The, the awful Demolition Man game for this Panasonic three D O. Oh my goodness, right. Which I owned and I played and it was awful. <laughs> Yeah, and even uh, when PlayStation, what a bad decision that was getting that thing. Should have got a Virtual Boy instead. Oh, I need to, I need to find a Virtual Boy. By the way, it's the only Nintendo system I don't own. Oh, you'll find one. They're you'll expensive one. though. Sorry, <laughs> I derailed the show. No, 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 because I, I, Virtual I... Boy. By the way, we're talking about beauty of video games. Mm-hmm. That that fake Star Fox game that was released for it was amazing. It was amazing. Oh wow! It, it wasn't Star Fox. It was I forget what it was called, but it, it the ship looked like an R wing, right? It looked uh-huh. just like the Super Nintendo R wing, except it was black and red because it's all the Virtual Boy could do, pretty much. And then I that was a lot of people don't know, but that's where Mario Tennis debuted was on Virtual Boy, right? And uh-huh. that, that that game was amazing. That game was awesome. <sighs> I played I played a lot of Virtual Boy for not ever owning one. <laughs> I think I only had what thirteen games. 12, no, I'm just, I just remember the Toys R Us bios had had the <laughs> kiosk set up, and they're like, "Yeah, I'd stick my head right in there, or every single sweaty kid in the area stuck their head." Man, that was probably gross to be honest with you. But I was I was like ten. I didn't care. Yeah, shoot, I just uh, that's how I was when I ever when they brought the Super Mario three arcade game. To, uh, I had a place called Child World. So it was kind of like Toys R Us, but it was just a different name. Uh, they had the arcade of Super Mario Brothers 3. You put a quarter in, you had three minutes to play it. Dude, <laughs> I would beg my mom, like, I need a quarter, I need a quarter <laughs> to play that. And I, every time I went into that mug, my mom would hide a quarter for me, and she would do her shopping, and I would go in, and I would play for those good three minutes. Yep. Now, that's a paid demo. Activision and all you other pre-orders nowadays. <laughs> I used to, I used to like save like my parent. My parents used to take us to Disney like every Disney World every year, mm-hmm. and I would save up my quarters. I would save up quarters for a whole year to take down there and just play in the arcade. And I'm like, we're in this fantastic place. And, like, I just wanted to go to the arcade and at night and when we got back just to, like, waste all the quarters in, like, the first day. <laughs> <laughs> Can uh, I have more? No. Oh. It was, oh, man, so many 
So many good arcade memories, man. Yes. Oh. So, uh, so yeah. Um, and then we mentioned cell shading, which uh, Jet Set, Jet Set Radio kind of brought into um, existence on the Dreamcast. And you ended up getting games like Wind Waker. You end up getting games like uh, Wind Waker, such a beautiful game. Yes, um, you kind of end up getting games like Okami, uh, Fear Effect, like stuff like that 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 took that cartoon quality and put it in the video game form to make people think that you were actually controlling a cartoon. And Microsoft did a, did one a cell cell damage. That racing yeah. game, yeah, uh, they did that one. Um, and nowadays, if we look at in modern times, you know, FMV came back. Uh, they're still doing cell uh, cell shading, but that's a little bit more detailed. Um, Speaking of cell shading in Jet Set Radio, did mm-hmm. you see? Did you see that game on Switch that looks just like Jet Set Radio called Hover? I heard of it. But I didn't get to see the trailer of it yet. It looks it looks cool. If like speaking of beautiful games, like mm-hmm. it looks like somebody went out and was like, "We're gonna make Jet Set Radio." I hope no one sues us. Like that, it looks just like Jet Set Radio, man. It looks awesome. If they could put it off, I'm down for it. I'm, I'm gonna take a look. Uh, I'm gonna check the trailer and take a good look at it. Uh, cause I I I love cell shading. I think once I, I never got to play Jet Set Radio until it came to Xbox, uh, and I played it there. I didn't get to play it on original Dreamcast, but like I think once I played Wind Waker on GameCube, I put the controller down. It was just like I think Nintendo just once again changed not only this genre, probably changed video games in forever. And then Breath of the Wild happens, and then they just <laughs> changed it again. They just did it again. Yeah. Just, we're just going to keep doing it. <laughs> yes. Um, and we haven't even touched on games like Kirby Epic Yarn and Yoshi's Woolly World uh, because they took arts and craft and <laughs> made it look like arts and craft. It was a different art style. Like, and that's pretty much what you could, you could call it just arts and craft like what 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 can you call it um, i mean you look at you look at the switch the yoshi switch game yoshi's crafted world it literally looks like they cut the whole game out of cardboard yes which is amazing yeah it then uh cuphead comes out and that brings that old disney 1950 1960 uh baby boop style kind of cartoon and brought it to the masses. I think I bet you there are kids still today don't know where this style originated at, and it hopefully it led people to go check that out. And so it's kind of good to see uh, these art, these art styles and appreciate it from what there is. You know, of course, sprites sprite based games is what I grew up on. You know, from Atari. Uh, 2600 to the Sega Master System, NES, Game Boy, Game Gear, TurboGrafx-16. Like, I encountered Sprite Base, and that's where my foundation of gaming. Of course, that's retro stuff, but if you want, but look at, look at how indies are taking Sprite based games. You know, we got, of course, Shuffle Knight. We got, um, uh, what the one we did for Nindies, uh, that just came to Switch, uh, 
Hyperlight. Hyperlight Drifter. Uh, we, we got that, and we <laughs> there's so like a Wild West game that's like based off pencil drawing. Yeah, like, the uh, I know what you're talking about. The kind of like the RPG style pixel, like the stick figure one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like we got a lot of that stuff, you know, case story and, and games like that. Like we still got great eight bit looking indie games that could uh, that kind of continuing the uh, sprite generation. Definitely, when you look at flash games like Alien Hominid, uh, like even games like that are still being made with that art style, and it's it is so cool and. Definitely give it up to Nintendo for the Paper Mario series. Like, who would have known? Like stickers and uh, thousand year doors and, and like that kind of stuff working in a Nintendo universe. Like, yeah, you know, I I love Hotel Dust Room Two One Three. Like, that's one of my favorite adventure games. Of course, I like uh, the Wolf Among Us and the Batman games, the stuff that Telltale did. Um, but like. Hotel Dust did something that I've never seen in a game being done. Of course, you know, that was like my purse. I love detective games and stuff like that. And I just love what Sing did with that art style and just really with the way that the characters are acting in paper and the way they look and stuff in a 3D world. It was just like, this is something that's never been seen or done. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. man, there's so many, there's so many cool art styles out there, man. Like a, a game that like I was just thinking of, we were talking about. You brought up that Western game on Switch, mm-hmm. but another game like say what you will about the game itself, but I thought I thought Drawn to Death on PlayStation Four uh-huh. had a really unique art style for what it was, yes. right? And like, I mean, the game was the game was fine, but like. The art style, the fact that like the whole story took took place within this student's notebook, and it's just his doodle drawings, and like you just kind of ran through on this lined, pa- crumpled lined paper, and like all the characters were like sketched out, like some kid drew them. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool thing to do. Yeah, you know, because like it just it just reminded me of like what I used to do in school instead of paying attention and you know, learning. <laughs> I used to just draw on notebooks all the time. Uh, and like, I, I like, I wanted that game to be better, but like that art style, man, it was, it was cool. If you guys haven't looked it up, I would image search it. I wouldn't really watch a video of it, but, uh, yeah, man, that art style is cool. It, also one Nintendo game. You didn't bring up that has the, one of the best art styles, Yoshi's Island. Ah, the Crayola, the crayon, uh, aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel bad. I didn't mention Yoshi's Island. (laughs) Oh, goodness. That's right. I forgive you this time. Oh, if you do not own a Super (laughs) NES Mini Classic, get to your nearest Target or whoever is still selling it and get one so you can play that game. Yeah. And experience that thing. oh goodness oh my yeah gosh. yeah man there's another game i was gonna say too but i man, i i forgot we got we're so distracted by too many things <laughs> <laughs> well what game was it 
I forget. I don't remember. What system was it for? I don't I see I don't even remember that either. I got too distracted by the Yoshi's Island thing. <laughs> well, yes. So I mean and there's still a lot of various art oh. styles. I remembered. My one of my favorite things that Nintendo does and they've never implemented the art style into a game, but the box art of Mario and Luigi, like the Mario and Luigi games, uh-huh. is always on point. I love just the simplified versions of Mario and Luigi and and Bowser and like they just look like stickers you could peel off of the the box, right? Yes. And I know you said that about Paper Mario and stuff, but like I really love the Mario and Luigi art style so much. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bowser Inside Story. Oh, I still there it's that bold line. And like th- like they look kind of cartoony but more detailed. In a yeah. sense, instead of just being in a, a 3D, like that color palette works so mm-hmm. well for them. Yeah, I love those games. Those games are so much fun. Oh, oh. Goodness, yes. If you guys own a 3DS, please play. Please play the Mario and Luigi games. I think they're all available on there except mm-hmm. for Partners in Time because they, they're all being remade. Or I, one of them is not coming out till like March, but they'll all be there eventually. And in Mario and Luigi Dream Team. Very underrated game. I did I pick I think that I picked that no, I didn't pick that one yet. Did I? No, I didn't. I don't know, pick but that it's, one yet. it's a Nintendo it. Select now, so it's like twenty bucks. Uh, well, yeah, so that's just our little uh discussion on art. Dang it. I'm looking at my box of Muramasa Demon Blade and just oh that that art um that amazing. And I know I talked a little bit about the retro stuff. Uh, where we talked about a lot of the retro stuff, but there's a lot of minor games that look beautiful too. Of course, me and Corey always talk about DMC, Devil May Cry. Um, you know, we talk about Horizon. We we've talked about Hellblade. I'm always talking about The Last Guardian. Um, you know, Uncharted looks great. Halo Five to me personally looks super Halo. Good. Halo has always had this this cool, unique art style too, where like. It like the character models look realistic. Yes, but like they have some flair to them. It's like it's like you buy a new TV uh-huh. and you watch like you're watching like a like a Marvel movie or something that's super colorful or like an animated movie, and you just turn the brightness and the contrast and saturation to 100. Like that's what Halo has. It just has a super vibrant just color palette that yes. they use, and it's. It's oh my gosh when I, we were playing when we were playing Halo Four and Five for squad goals yeah like oh my gosh dude I, I, Halo Four looks like a retro game like looks, well that's has because a that art team was from, <laughs> from retro. retro but did oh uh, we're gonna at, leave and leave Metroid Prime and uh, go work on Halo and but by the way we still want to make Metroid yes. but we're just gonna shoehorn it in Halo <laughs> yes uh. And Infinite looks so good. Oh, I cannot wait to see. Halo Five. I don't. I know it has its problems with this pe- with people, and the story is kind of like whatever if you can follow along. But seeing it like cutscene wise, I'm like, good night. This looks good. Like I'm like, I want to see a whole movie done this way. <laughs> like, without no question. Um, it didn't. Seeing the game in action is just like, 
Oh my goodness, this looks so detailed. And it probably looks looks crazy on, on one X. Um so Yeah. Uh, yes, and of course, er, uh, everybody. By the by, the time you guys hear this, um, Forza, my Forza Horizon Four review is out. Do go read on ngrradio.com. But that game looks breathtaking, phenomenal, and and like Gears of War Four looks breathtaking. But that Gears of War Ultimate, it really needed that polish. Oh yeah, yeah. We played we played through Gears the Gears One Ultimate and like. That game was pretty when it came out, but I mean, Unreal Engine three hasn't really aged well. Yeah, especially like since that game is what thirteen years old at this point. <laughs> Jeez, really, Gears is thirteen years. Old. That just that makes me upset on multiple levels. But you know, when that Ultimate Edition came out and it was just like polished, and you know, it it just got a fresh coat of paint. The gameplay is still kind of like eh, we've come a long way from this, but that polish was awesome you know and even going moving into gears four and gears five like oh my gosh oh, i can't, I can't wait, wait for gears, gears five, five. <laughs> okay uh, like uh, literally dude, if, they, if they make a gears five xbox one x i might be getting another one Shh. don't tell my wife <laughs> <laughs> i want that red one man oh they can't if they came out with a gears xbox one x that was like that red kind of like, you know, the the veiny kind of, you know, like what they did with uh, three. Yeah. Like if they just had that crawling across an Xbox One X. Oh, oh you already know. I'm, I'm after this episode, I'm gonna watch Microsoft's E3. I could. I mm-hmm. just want to see Gears Five again. I want to watch the whole conference again. No, you just want to watch Gears pop. <laughs> I want to watch the reactions. And see your reactions to that. Shut up. That was... <laughs> oh, don't if you guys me, do not talk, know what we're talking about, you got to go on ngrradio.com or go to our YouTube page. I think it's under Nurse Gone Rogue, the channel. And go watch, or it might be on our Snacks also YouTube page. Go watch our reaction for the Microsoft Conference. Watch it, have your snacks, get your life. Be ready. <laughs> so, but uh, we're actually going to move on to the next part of this. Um, and I, I started the blog off with characters and the art of the character, uh, because like I said, I was talking about art and characters, is that video game characters, we always make a list and have our personal favorites. And the way I went about this is, is that. When characters reach uh, iconic status, where characters like female leads and other female characters are needed more into this, um, into this genre and stuff, um, even B tier characters, um, and villains and stuff, it's just like we have a whole range of characters, and definitely we got animal, uh, mascots and stuff that we love. So, girl, I want to kind of ask you on. How do you feel about characters? Like, what makes it iconic to you? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on the topic of characters? I mean, the, the first thing you have to look at is is nostalgia, right? I mm-hmm. think I think a lot a lot of, you know, yours and I's favorite characters play a lot off of nostalgia. You know, Link, Mario, uh, Donkey Kong, Lara Croft... 
you know, a lot of the characters that were relevant in the 80s and 90s, right? And yes. that's where a lot of our kind of our favorite characters come from. But there's a lot of people who think Minecraft Steve is their nostalgic character, right? Yes. And and or like the Angry Birds are their nostalgic character or you know, there there's a lot of things that nostalgia plays into and and a lot of people like the characters that are nostalgic for. But there's also a lot of characters that I love that have only been around for five years. Shovel Knight is a perfect example of like, he's a cool character. That game, Yakko put so much love and care into that game. And as these expansions keep coming out, right. And as of this recording, you know, Kim cards is coming out soon. It's just which, that, which the I, story there, which I have to pre-order for Amazon next week. I already did. <laughs> yes. I, I I love Shovel Knight and I when I replayed it on Switch like when I played it the first time I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention or not but I was I was playing the game for the gameplay mm-hmm. not for like the story or whatever but like there's so much care crafted into those cutscenes and and the story that they're trying to tell and yeah it's kind of like it's a dumb story but like you really start feeling for the characters, you know, and like how the story invo- evolves and, and the big twist at the end of the first game. And then you get into the other night's stories and specter night is a sad story. The specter night story is so sad. And it's like, that's when I went to PAX, that's why I bought the specter night t-shirt, right? It's like that story and that character are so cool. That was just like, man, you feel for these characters, you know, yes. and as and as you play through, like, I'm playing Shadow of the Tomb Raider right now, and I've never really been a huge Tomb Raider fan until the Tomb Raider reboot, right? And, like, this version of Lara is, when I think of Tomb Raider, this is the Lara I think of, even though, you know, you a lot of people think of the polygonal whatever she was in the 90s, too, right? Like, yes. it's... I like seeing our favorite characters evolve, you know, and, you know, I've, I've kind of voiced my opinion on God of War. Uh, you know, I've, I am kind of disappointed in the new game. Not that it wasn't a, gr- a great game or anything, but it, it, I'm nostalgic for, you know, flinging guys around up in the air and jumping around and doing these crazy things and Kratos being super angry and, mm-hmm. You know, I like I like that original original trilogy, and I I like Ascension too. Like, it, it gets a bad rap because it was you know whatever a prequel, but that doesn't mean our our favorite characters can't change for the better. Look how many times Link and Zelda have changed, right? Yes. Look how many times Mario has changed. You know, and after you know Mario sixty four, he kind of just has kept that similar look. You know, unless you move out to Paper Mario or Mario and Luigi or, you know, even Rabbids, you know, the Rabbids game, he looks a little different, but like change of our favorite characters isn't a bad thing. And I, I like watching our favorite characters change. Breath of the Wild is my, is that version of Link. I'm sorry. I, I, I had a thought and I'm gathering it. When I finish Breath of the Wild and you finish all the shrines, yes. you get you get the tunic of the hero. And I almost felt disappointed that I put it on because I'm like, 
I love this look on Link so much, but this game has made me rethink the way I think of Zelda. And putting this back on just is like, it's a nice nod to the past, but I like what they've done with Zelda, right? And I like what they've done with Link in this game and Zelda, to be perfectly honest. I want a Zelda game where you play as this Zelda. She's cool. But like, I almost felt like I was doing the game a disservice by wearing the classic Link uniform, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Because I love the changes they made, and that just felt like a disservice to the game, almost. You know, I don't think it's so much a disservice to the game. I haven't beat it yet. I'm working on that, like we mentioned earlier. Um, but Zelda and Link and a lot of Nintendo characters is at such a high icon icon level of of nor nor notoriety uh, that some people probably would have been disappointed if it wasn't in it as an option you know uh, you know we we you know Kratos he he's at an icon, iconic level you know cloud is and so it's just like if you took out some of the stuff that really made this character connected to the player or connected to your love for this franchise you kind of might you sometimes might feel disappointed if that little nostalgia wasn't in the game, mm-hmm. and I, I love the fact that at least it's a option. Uh, and it's, it's sad that you was it's sad that you was disappointed in a, in a sense, but not too disappointed where it ruined the game for you or anything. It was just I mean, like, I wasn't I wasn't like disappointed. It was just like that thought of like, man, I. I feel like this this look on Link doesn't fit this game anymore. It doesn't yes. fit Zelda anymore, right? And it's like, if I want to play this version of Link, I'll go play Twilight Princess or, or Ocarina of Time again, you know? And it's like, I want to wear the cool blue tunic. I want to wear the, the costumes that I've unlocked and found throughout the game, right? I want to wear these cool things. Not that, like... And, like, I understand this whole game, all of Breath of the Wild is kind of like a... It's almost like a reimagining of that first game, right? Where yes. like this open world sense of exploration, hidden things everywhere, you know, like it was like a reimagining. Even the the key art to the game is is a play off of the art from the instruction manual of the original game where Link is kind of kneeling on the the plateau and you see uh a death mountain and the castle kind of in the background, you know. Um it's just I I I like that the knot is there, but I'm I don't think I've the only tunic I've ever worn with the green hat and the uh green tunic mm-hmm. is the Twilight Princess one you unlock by using the amiibo. Yes. Right? And like I wore it I probably wore it for like a half hour while I was doing the Terrytown side quest and I was like I'm going I c I can't do this. <laughs> I just I I like it, but I don't care for it in this game okay so yeah. um what was the question again <laughs> <laughs> about, just about about characters and i could I, I could understand it i could understand it i could see that um and i think that's with modern with modern games nowadays i think one of the 
one of kind of uh, the well-standing cast that you cannot disagree, or you might disagree, depending on how you see it, that stands out to this very day is the Mass Effect characters. Like, pretty much all of them are icons. All of them are are fit that universe well, and fit that story in that game, in those well, games. Well, that's the that's thing, too, is, like, iconic characters from Mass Effect might be iconic to me, but if you did certain things, you might not see those characters. So yes. they're not as iconic to you, which is another form of uh, – it's it's like another cool thing that games have started to do, right? And it's yes. like, you know, we saw it a lot in Telltale games where like if – in uh, actually in like a lot of games that you do decision-making, right? The yes. Witcher, the Telltale games, Mass Effect. Uh, Infamous with Cole. Yeah, it's like – you do certain things and you meet certain people where like you could miss 30 or 40% of the game just by making one decision three hours in. Right. That's the whole thing with the Witcher is like you make decisions and like when you're like 30 or 40% through that game, you make decisions that you can miss a 30% chunk of that game because your love interest is different from this person's. Right. Yes. Which is really cool. And like, in Mass Effect, you know, you have that decision kind of two-thirds of the way through that first game. Spoilers for Mass Effect. I'm sorry. If you haven't played it, it's it's 12 years old, <laughs> you know. You make a decision two-thirds of the way through the game where, like, you have to kill a character. And then that character just doesn't show up for the rest of the series because you killed them in the first game. Yes. Right? Like, you know, you say either save uh Caden or Ashley and it's like well which characters would <laughs> it came I, down to like which character am I trying to romance instead of like which character can help me out the best same, you know same and and the sad thing is is that I used Ashley so much in yeah. the game but I killed her because I wanted to have a romance with Kalos or to see if I could have it in that's, in Mass that's just harsh <laughs> uh, well, all, in all three games, I did guy romances, so yeah. But I I understand what you're talking about because there are some cool characters in Mass Effect Three that it's just like I got to do this mission and I got to uh, make this decision if I want to keep them or not. And I think it was just like even if I lose this character, it's not such a big deal to me. Um, where I feel like the cast of Mass Effect 2 is probably one of the strongest casts. And, like, it's just like, I kind of love everybody, and I want to help everybody and do good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I mentioned, like, The Last Guardian, um, which, like, Trico and the boy that she play um, in that game. And I love what draws me to those characters are their relationship. And even though they're not iconic yet, I kind of feel like even though they're going to only have this one game and this one adventure, these are probably the best two characters that have ever come out of Sony. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, you look at, I mean, you look at, you look at Trico. Trico's, I think, I think Trico is iconic enough to where you see that character and you're like, that's la- that's the last guardian. Yes. Right. It's like, it's like the horse from shadow of the Colossus, right? Everybody yes. loves that stupid horse. And it's like, 
well, that horse is iconic, so I guess, you know, Shadow Colossus <laughs> is a thing. I mean, the monster, the, the, the monsters the in that game are, are more iconic than the horse, but like, yes. I'm like, some, there was a argument on a podcast I was listening to about who, who was the mo- more iconic horse, and people kept bringing up the horse from Shadow of the Colossus. I'm like, no, it's clearly Epona from Zelda, right. but like, if people grew up playing PlayStation and never owned a Nintendo system, you know, if they're like hardcore PlayStation fans, they're going to pick a PlayStation franchise. They're not going to pick Zelda like we would because right. we grew up with Epona and, and Zelda, right? Like, you know, you look at these, you look at kids today where like, who's their, who's the most iconic character? It, we, I mean, we brought it up before, but it's like, it's, it might not be Mario anymore, right? It could be Minecraft, Steve. It could be so uh, Fortnite. Fort, Fortnite character Z, <laughs> you know, like it could be like that. I think in this is, I mean, it's not true for all games, but I mm. think it's kind of a sad thing in a way where like, I think, you know, we used to have these memories of iconic characters and iconic moments in games that were set in stone right like they were story driven like the time you pulled the master sword in ocarina of time out of the thing right or or you know these iconic moments in games or the first time in mario 64 where you threw bowser off the the thing and yeah hit hit the the exploding ball and beat him for the first time or uh you know just these little iconic moments the first time you got the tanuki suit in mario 3 Today, the iconic moments are the moments that the kids are making with their friends and making themselves, you know, like the first time we crafted something in Minecraft, look how cool that was, or the first time we got a victory royale in Fortnite, or, you know, the first time we got three stars on Angry Birds or something, right? Like, it's, they're different moments, but these are new creative moments, and like, Mm -hmm. one way that, that really grows the industry we love but in another way it's like you know all these games are coming out as games as a service right rainbow six siege is not gonna have the master sword moment you know yes uh you know blackout is not gonna have the tanuki suit moment which is kind of sad but i mean we're still getting fantastic games don't get me wrong like we're gonna get bayonetta 3 and metroid prime 4 next year and yes and and you know, but a lot of the a lot of the moments we're going to be talking about for for Arsenal X are like, hey, look at all three of us with rocket launchers blowing up these buildings in in Crackdown, or let's go explore this cave in Anthem, right? You're right. It's it, it's kind of sad that these characters like Terry Crews is the character we're going to be talking about for Xbox <laughs> next year, you yes. know? Yeah. Which is which is totally cool. I'm I'm all for Terry Crews. Terry Crews is a cool dude, and I I enjoy watching him on TV and movies and stuff. But like, it's not the same as the first time we popped in Mario Kart and threw a blue shell to and, kill our friend to pass him to beat the. And the thing about it is that when 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 I talk about iconic characters, 
and stuff. And why Mario is probably the number one iconic character and still continues to be, you still see birthday cakes. You still see custom-made bed sheets or outfits as for cosplayers. There's still something about Mario that regardless if you're not a if you're a gamer or not, you could spot it and you know where it comes from. And in today's modern games, if someone dressed dressed up like a character for Fortnite or um or Call of Duty. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Uh I sure I thought that was my phone. Like, what the world? Uh you literally don't you're not going to have that same thing. You're not going to have a sexy version of Fortnite or a, a Battlefield Five or something. You're you're not going to have birthday cakes with uh you know plastic bullets or <laughs> Kratos blades and stuff like that. Like you're not going to have that. It's just like you're just going to see something about a kind of character that like even cloud like he's a kind of character and you still see people dressed up as him still seeing stories written about him and hoping I mean, they're re- they're remaking the game for god's sake like well <laughs> i mean well theoretically they're remaking they're, the they're remaking the game but do we'll, see... we'll revisit the subject 12 years from now when <laughs> it's you, not out yet but you've seen the everybody could could admit to this you've seen the power of cloud when he came to smash and you see that nintendo direct in people's reactions if you didn't know that if you thought ryu being in smash broke the internet i think that just killed like literally everything Mm-hmm. And it was just like, what in the world is this getting now that Final Fantasy VII is finally coming to Switch? You know, of course, I got to buy that. Yes, I know you don't like seven. You prefer eight. We had the discussion. <laughs> We're well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But, but, I prefer... But Squall is a kind of character still in the Final Fantasy series. Him and the, well, uh, and the female. I... Like, I understand why people don't like eight, right? The junction mm-hmm. system is really obtuse. Squall is is pretty much them just making a way more sadder version of Cloud. Like they mm-hmm. they wanted to capture that magic of Seven, but I don't think they like fully developed how they were going to do that. And the yes. game came out so fast after Seven that they were because like like they started development on Eight halfway through Seven, right? Mm-hmm. And Eight and Nine were in development in tandem. Like they were being developed at the same time, so they could get them out a year apart, right? Right. And I think I think that's why nine. That's why nine. I, I feel like it is better in terms of like what I like because it's like it's more cheerful. It's more. It it's got a lighter tone than seven and eight. To you me, know? the the gameplay in nine works better than eight. I think they was doing too much and it didn't really work well in eight, uh, because. I feel like eight. They heavily uh, relied on magic for a lot of players, and then when you get to that one boss where if where you can't use really magic throughout that fight, and so mm-hmm. your physical attacks are are jank, mm-hmm. that broke the game for a lot of people. For me, mm-hmm. and I was just like. I, I I'm liking this battle system, but I feel like nine, ten, and even twelve kind of, you know, brought it back into realization. And I still think to this day, 
I'll give it to Final Fantasy 13 for its cast of characters. And I think Lightning, I feel like Lightning deserves a better game. But she is, I think, personally, one of the first female uh, Final Fantasy characters that's very iconic. Yes, mm-hmm. I-, I love Aerith. I love Tifa. I love the one girl from 10. But I think I think there's something about Lightning that stands out beyond all three of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, every Final Fantasy game has their defenders, right? You yes. know, it, it just depends on... I think a lot of people's first Final Fantasy game is their favorite. I mean, that goes that goes for me. My first Final Fantasy game was 9. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I got to the second disc of 9, I went out to GameStop and bought 7 and 8 and pre-ordered 10 all in the same day, right? Yes. Because, like, I, I never had a PS1. I never had a PlayStation 1. I had to have a PlayStation 2. And so when I got my PS2, I got... Uh, what I get? I got oh, I got the, I got the bouncer. Talk about some crazy characters. The bouncer, yes. Uh, and Madden, and then I, I pre-ordered Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was like, oh, well, I'll just get some PS One games. So I got, I got Final Fantasy Nine, and Double Seven Racing, which was like, it wasn't even a racing game. It was a it was a 007 game where you all all it was was driving mission famous driving missions from the movies and like by driving missions from the movies they were like oh this is the iconic car from Tomorrow Never Dies so you're going to drive this car around uh Russia or whatever until yeah. you find all these packages and oh by the way there might be a power up on the ground so you can pick it up if you want to. It was a really bad game. Just <laughs> it was a, it was a really bad game. Uh but, you know, and then I after I played 9, I played 9 obsessively and I was like I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even play the the bouncer until well after I got my PS2 and it was the first uh, game I bought for it because <laughs> I was playing Final Fantasy 9. Yeah. You know, it and was I VV is Vivi is like my heart. I love Vivi in this. Game, I mean, I love I love all those characters. I yes. like Dagger. I I like Zidane. I I like the. I love how the game opens and you're a band of thieves pretending to put on a play, and that opening cutscene is just so cool. Yeah, you know, like I I love that whole all that whole cast of characters. You know, it, and it's just one of those games where you know, again. So my first Final Fantasy, and that's my favorite one, right? Mm-hmm. Followed very closely by ten. I or I know people don't. Wonderful. I know people don't really like ten, and like I think we're kind of outliers on that. But I really love ten. I love Orin. Yeah, Orin and Waka and and Lulu are just like man. They all feel like a family. Yeah, and they all work, and I like they're they're iconic in their own. Um, and we have even like I haven't even mentioned like sidekicks. Like when I talk about characters, of course, you know we talk about main characters. Like and we could pretty much talk about like Batman and Robin. Like that's an example of a sidekick and stuff. But you know you got Billy and Jimmy Lee from uh-huh. the Double Dragon series. <laughs> 
excuse me about that. You know, Mario and Luigi, even though Luigi is more of, supposed to be on the same line of Mario, uh, he is, for some people, he ends up feeling like more of a psychic, in a sense. You know, Princess Peach is a man, but Toad is her psychic. You know, because he works in the kingdom with, with Princess Peach. Um, where Bowser is like the main one and uh whatever the witch is in the little bowser jr you know those are sidekicks to him and then his his kids and stuff so it's just like we haven't even touched into like sidekicks and stuff that make that's kind of on the equal building of main characters oh jeez um, sidekicks <laughs> Uh, and you know, even with B B tier games, you know stuff like Mad Mad World, or you know some of the Neo Geo games like Art of Fighting and stuff like that. Um, B tier, as in they're great games, but they don't have that kind of polish. And you know, Neo Geo has just like some B tier games just out the wallow. Like they're fight, there are tons of fighting games, but only some of the characters stand out, and some of them are kind of forgettable. You know, if you look at Samurai Showdown and stuff like that, you know, some of those characters, because of their design. Some of them are well known and some of them are not. You look at Tekken, if you look at uh, Soul Edge slash Caliber, Soul Caliber, um, even Street Fighter, like Ryu and Ken are the main ones, and then everybody else. And some of the people in those games, they're like side characters uh, to those series. So uh, even though Street Fighter is not B tier or anything, you got you do got like the Alpha games. You got the um, the 3D, the 3D fighting one, arena ones and stuff. You got the versus games and stuff that use Capcom and Street Fighter uh, characters. You know, Darkstalkers is kind of a side game of Street Fighter in a sense. Because um, if you, if Street Fighter had a cartoon, and I think the Darkstalkers, I think they had an episode with them in it. Um, the American cartoon, not the Japanese cartoon, yeah. I should <laughs> say. <laughs> you know, and so, uh, and then you even got like Puzzle Fighter, like with with like with some of those characters. Like Morgan is well known for um, for the Dark uh, Stalker games and stuff like that. So I mean, there's just a mount and wealth of characters um, that we love and that we kind of enjoy and stuff. Um, but. We're going to get to the last part, and then we'll get Corey's eulogy about this. Um, the mix of both of them, when character art and where the art for that character works well. You know, um, I, I mentioned, like, cosplay characters. You know, you can see, like, Sub-Zero. You see his, the way that he looks from Mortal Kombat 1 to Mortal Kombat 2 and 3, and it's just like... His character art has evolved and it's super cool. Where Scorpion, he still has his look, but it's so iconic and people still, you know, you know, get, love it, love the way that he looked. So I mm-hmm. kind of want to ask you, Corey, like, why do characters in art, where like the mixture of them, why do they work so well? Like, why do they? Why did they produce the beauty of us loving it? I mean, I think I 
I think that characters with an iconic look become you can easily kind of attach to a character with a cool look. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, like like for example, we both love Oren from Final Fantasy X. Yes. He has such a unique, cool look, you know. I mean it's it's different now where like you got a bunch of creative characters and like do whatever, but like when when Oren first showed up in Final Fantasy ten, you're like who is this guy? He's so he's cool. Look, he's got that red trench coat and like the giant sword and the sunglasses and just like this white tuft of hair and the rest yes. and the rest of his dark hair. Like, and he's really mysterious. And you're like, he's a cool character. I want to learn more about this character. And then you kind of go on to learn that you know he's kind of like a father figure to to Titus and whatever. And it's you know the whole story plays out. I would ruin that game, but it's coming to Switch, and there might be some first-timers out there that you know are going to be able to play it for the first time. So I'm not going to ruin it, but yes. the end of the story is really cool. Uh, and like Final Fantasy X-2 kind of jacks it all up, but it's it's fine. I need Whatever. to play it, too. It's, really it's, it's, it's fine. Um, well, if you... Tingle is a oh, good geez. example. As crazy as it may seem... I know. He <laughs> works... Like Tingle sounds kind of like a, a it sounds like a fairy, I should say. But to see that character, the way that he was drawn, and kind of in a weird way, the one guy who dressed up as Tingle and everybody took this picture at E three when he dressed up as him, it's kind of like. You would never know there is a fan base for him. Yeah, but I I think you know it's not, considering considering the internet these days. Yeah, you could. I mean, there's a fan base for every character out there. You know, you just you Look just got to the hedgehog. <laughs> that alone explained it all. I mean, I have one word for you, and it's not going to be pretty, but Bowsette and the the created fan base of of whatever happened to Bowsette and Boozette and whatever else you know like in the beauty of Soul Calibur 6 <laughs> oh jeez yeah like I mean those characters aren't canon but they're becoming iconic in I mean a lot of the ways are not safe for work <laughs> or families yes. or anything but like you know there are some cool kind of creations like that original comic strip that evolved out of about ba- that created Bowsette. Yeah. Is a really cool way to introduce a character, you know? And it's like, yeah, Nintendo is not acknowledging that Bowsette exists or whatever, even though she's in the Mario Odyssey art book. But like outside of all the weird things they're doing with that character, like a fan created this character and a community rallied really hard around a character that a fan created and now she's iconic. Like she really is iconic, yes. and she's gonna be in the Nintendo mythos for years, right? Yeah. And like the same thing goes with like Waluigi, right? He's a dumb character that they created for a doubles partner for Wario in Mario Tennis. That's the only reason why he was created, and now he's like everybody's favorite Nintendo character, and they want him in his own game, and they want him in Smash Brothers. It's always the weird characters that become 
iconic in their own specific way. Yeah, you can go out and say Mario's iconic. Yeah, he's iconic because he's mm-hmm. Mario, right? Link's iconic because he's Link. Master Chief is iconic because he's Master Chief. But it's the weird side characters that, like, look at Luigi, right? I mean, he's he's iconic because he's part of the Mario Brothers, but he's become iconic in his own way yes. because he's he's the brother that just gets crapped on all the time. He's year, scared. The year Luigi, yeah, he's scared. I mean, we're getting Luigi's Mansion 3. Like, they made a whole game about him being scared of, of everything. The <laughs> Twitter lost their mind at the Castlevania reveal when Death slapped Yeah, Luigi. when they, mur- they straight up murdered Luigi. <laughs> if people had rested feet, and it was just like... And, and people just, like, it, that thing did crazy wonders and means and stuff <laughs> on Twitter, like, after after a show. But you would think a side character like that, and we're talking about kind of the mixture of it, but I'm just like, you mentioned Waluigi. Look at the way that he was designed. You know, mm-hmm. look at Wario. Look at, even Bowsette, just the way that she was design because of what Nintendo did with Toadette getting a crown and turning her to Princess Peach with the extra mm-hmm. hair. Mm-hmm. Peach. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh the way characters become iconic is is crazy. You know, I I mean there's that weird kind of like iconic thing around Cortana for a long time yes. after Halo three came out. Maybe it was Halo two. I just wasn't really paying attention at the time. Uh you know, I think I think PlayStation struggled for a long time to find their iconic character. It was Crash for a while, yeah. right? But then, like, they started moving in a weird direction with PlayStation 3, and they kind of lost it, you know, and kind of Kratos and Nathan Drake became their kind of mascots or whatever. And it's like, okay, an angry dude that murders people and a, and a pretty white dude that murders people are not really the characters you want as iconic characters. Right. But now, like, I think Sony's coming around with their kind of stable of iconic characters, like Aloy and yes. Ratchet and Clank and, you know, Kratos again, but a different type of Kratos and and uh, Spider-Man. Like, they have uh, a stable of iconic characters now. And, and you know, I think Microsoft is kind of in that same space that Sony was last gen where they're trying to figure out how do we have a stable of characters that will fit every type of age group, right? Where like, yeah, we have, we clearly have the teen and mature got, uh, uh, group covered with gears and halo. Right. But how do we get in? You know, that's why we ended up with super lucky's tale and, and, uh, or in the blind forest, like yes. those characters, like, Maybe they're not iconic, but at least they're trying to trying. They're trying, and, right? And, and, and we t- Oh, sorry. Go uh, ahead. Sorry. And and like well, with Microsoft and even with Sony, still trying to figure it out. That's why art styles of a character is important. You know, mm-hmm. we see Ori in the when we see Ori in the Blind Forest, we were drawn to that game because it looks beautiful, and then we saw the relationship of the characters. Just from the beginning. And that touched so many people on an emotional level that that artwork and those characters work together. And Microsoft and Sony 
are I, I feel like are still trying to figure that portion out where Nintendo already got it. You know, Nintendo, they can make an art style for a new character or a particular character and we're drawn to it. Be like, oh my goodness, <laughs> look at these characters from Xenoblade Chronicles. Wait, what? Okay, that's very detailed. I want that game. Because mm-hmm. the art and that character works well. Whether it's anime or Crayola, whatever that they use, they they know it. They know how to mesh the two together and microsoft and sony are yeah they're still trying to figure that out you know you got the characters but you got to get that art style that's going to bring that character more to life to make people really want to love and feel for that character and and it's Mm -hmm. kind of it's kind of like feeling a little bit protective of that character you know hate uh anna works because when we seen her, you know, she kind of just to me personally, she looked just like a basic girl and everything. I'm like, but then when you go throughout her journey and just how you know, just how the art works for her and everything, you just be like, okay, I'm now I'm getting to love Aloy, Aloy more um, mm-hmm. throughout her journey because. That art and the character works very well together. Yeah, yeah, and then you look at you look at Nintendo's stable of iconic characters. Mm-hmm. How many? Like it's it takes so much to create an iconic character, and then you see this this generation, and even even like last gen. Well, I would say more like the Wii kind of generation, but like they changed Link one of the most iconic characters in 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 video game history they changed link they changed his look they took away his iconic hat they changed yes. the color of his tunic link changed and now he's kind of more iconic than ever right yes they changed they they gave they took they took uh samus out of her suit right and zero yeah. suit samus samus talk about Talk about a character that that has a fan base surrounding that iconic character is the Zero Suit Samus fan base. Yeah, almost as scary as the Bowsette fan base, but that's that's a different show for a different day. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, but like the fact that Nintendo has a stable of iconic characters and is not afraid to change them. Yeah, because they either need to, or they need a refresh, or they just want to do something different. Look how many times Mario's changed, right? Look at look at look at how dumb he looked in the in the on the Mario Brothers cabinet, not Super Mario Brothers, the original Mario Brothers cabinet. Yes, with this stupid hat that had like the two flaps on it. Yeah, and and then you go into Super Mario Brothers and he's wearing a green shirt, and then you move into like Mario Three and Mario and Mario World and Yoshi's Island. And then you get to Nintendo 64, and and you get all these kind of weird spinoff games like Mario RPG or Paper Mario or Mario and Luigi. Look how many different art styles a single character can have and still be iconic. No, oh yes, it's it's just it blows my mind every time I think about like when we have the like these are usually conversations we have in our Facebook chat, <laughs> but like it just always blows my mind looking at characters. I mean. Again, look at look at Lara Croft. 
perfect how, example. How how much did they change that character? Like even up through Legend and Underworld, like she was still like the video game sex symbol, right? Like yes. in the in the nineties they had her on the cover of Playboy for God's sakes. Like or no, maybe it was Maxim. It was one no, of those it's Playboy. Was it it was one of those it was one of those types of magazines it where was like Playboy. she was in a bed naked co- with covers on her. Like she was the video game sex symbol. And then they change they changed that they changed that character. Yes. And now and now she's just like this strong female character that people like to rally around because she's a cool character now, right? I mean, yeah. she's not like I, I mean, it's it's weird to say, but she's like one of those characters that's like sexy in a different way, right? You know, it's not like it, it's not like I'm her maturity. In the bat- it's has... like it's it's not like Bayonetta, right? Yes. I mean, Bayonetta is like this weird kind of like whatever. <laughs> but like you know, they to change a character as iconic as Lara Croft was, and to keep her still relevant and iconic today in a yes. totally different way is just it's good. I I I mean, like I said, I've never really been a fan of Tomb Raider, but until the reboot, and now all I want every time I play a third person action game, I want it to be Tomb Raider, right? Yeah. So bring yeah. it to Switch. Oh, please do. Yes, come on, Square Enix. Which was funny. Uh, okay, so uh, just in case if you guys hear this, uh, before you hear this episode, uh, I did an episode on Arsenal X um, talking about Jay Raymond leaving EA, and I kind of think she's going to go to Square Enix. I kind of want to see her there. Um, and, like, hey, Jay, can you, can you work with Square Enix to get something on Switch? Since you, <laughs> since you know, had the influence at EA to work on some big major franchises, you know, maybe push some of it to Switch. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what, the, just hoping. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think when characters and their art styles work together, that brings it to a iconic, uh, iconic level. Um, that you just completely find beautiful and love. Um. It just works. And, you know, in the near future, we don't know where a game is going to go. But I think we're still going to continue to get great graphics, great art styles, and great characters from those art styles. You know, I'm, I love Amorasu from Okami. Okami is one of my favorite games. And I love the way that she looks. I love that rare print on her right fur and just her movement and stuff. And, you know, uh, on part of my, uh, one of my phone, it has uh, some fan-made Amorasu style game, not game, but artwork. And I'm just like, oh, she's just so beautiful and I love her and stuff. And even games that feel, look simple. Um, and regardless if you're watching, looking at the character in game or actually, like, character design, like, in a book or something. Because, like, the Xenoblade Chronicles uh, 2 book um, that I got, and even, like, the Legend of Zelda, the Hyrule one, like, seeing some of that art, that, the art that they put in those games, like, hand-drawn, and even when you want to do computer graphics, animated, it just looks phenomenal. And it's just, like, that's what I love. Just, like, this creativity. I think that's what makes kind of 
the beauty of characters, the beauty of art, and you know, the art of the characters. Just like the, it all works together to bring something that's more respectable, acceptable, and just lovable. You know, but yeah, uh, I'm going to now turn it finally turn it over to Corey. Do you have any last words before you give your epilogue? And this epilogue is it could be something that you've written, something off the top, but you're closing out the video video game. So, uh, do you want to give any last words before you give the final epilogue? Um. Yeah, I mean, I could give some shout outs to some pretty cool characters, I yeah, guess. Yeah, go ahead. Like, or characters that I kind of grew up on that I kind of miss in the realm of games today. Uh, well, some of them, not all of them, but, you know, Bomberman, I think, is is a cool, yes. iconic character. I wish, you know, I mean, I, I guess we did get the one for Switch. Um, you know, I, I Sonic, you know, Definitely iconic for multiple reasons. Uh, let's see. Arrow the Acrobat was an awful character. That they <laughs> Ooh, you Ooh. pulled that one out of nowhere. I know. Well, you think that was out of nowhere. Listen to this one. Rocket Knight Adventures. Oh, uh, uh, I love that game. There was, a, there was an Xbox 360 remake yeah. of Rocket Knight. And I... That game was awesome. I mean, it was bad, but it was awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of other ones that you could probably uh, come up with. It, it, indie game guys like the, man, I don't even know. The Messenger, Ninja Gaiden was is a cool game. Mm-hmm. Messenger, you know, clearly inspired by Ninja Gaiden. Uh, so. Uh, you know, those early Final Fantasy games have a lot of iconic characters in it. Uh, Chrono Trigger. Oh, yes. Secret of Mana. That, I mean, yes. I think those characters are pretty iconic for for the time. Banjo-Kazooie, Conker, a lot of the rare characters that, you know, we don't really see much of anymore. Orchard, Orchard was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so, you know, Aloy, I mean, I think we talked about her a lot. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I There's so many iconic characters out there that you just, depending on what you grew up with, how you grew up playing games, like, I mean, not really a character, but something truly iconic to games, the stupid Tetris pieces in the music, you know? Yeah. I mean, not not really like. I mean that when you turn on the Game Boy and you pop Tetris in, right? It's like that that weird kind of like Arabian Arabian castle, <laughs> that green and yellow screen. It's more supposed to be Russian, but yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess I don't know. Every time I turn on the title screen, I think of Aladdin for some reason, <laughs> and I'm like, I know this isn't right. But it looks like it, so I don't really care. <laughs> and, like, like for me, like I, I still to this very day love the Streets of Rage two uh, mm-hmm. cast, and we'll see how Streets of Rage four turns out. But yeah, like you, you mentioned Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana, uh, Luna. You know, it's games from Working Design. Uh, like each kind of like almost each generation of games just have great characters and great art styles and. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, I mean, what more can we say? 
we haven't even mentioned Pokemon on this. Like, there's oh, yeah. so many iconic Pokemon. Pikachu. So- Solid <laughs> Snake, you know, uh, the the uh, stupid character from Portal. Uh, Portal 2, I prefer better over Portal. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Half-Life guy. Uh, it, there's so many Ugh, characters, man. stupid Duke Nukem. Ugh. Yeah. Duke Nukem forever. Mm. Uh, remember when, you know, remember when remember when in the interview like six months after Duke Nukem Forever came out and Randy Pitchford tried to <laughs> convince everybody that the, they modeled it after Half Life? Yeah. Oh, man. Mm. Randy Pitchford yeah. is the story of his own. <laughs> so we'll leave that. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even mention like Borderlands. Uh, you know, handsome, uh, handsome Jack. I mean, I'm not a big Borderlands fan, but I, that art style and that character is pre- are pretty iconic. Chris Chris Redfield, uh, um, yeah, all Jim the Resident Valentine. Evil characters, yeah, Resker. You forgot, you forgot the uh, most iconic of Resident Evil characters, Barry, Barry, Jill Sandwich, uh, <laughs> the mess of unlocking. <laughs> I yeah. spent my birthday money. Buying Resident Evil 1 at McGovern Rewards. And I pay for the gas to go get it. Wow. Yes. So. Wow. But, Corey, uh, go ahead and deliver the epilogue for the video video games. It's all on you. And then we'll do plugs. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not going to be very long. I just, I think... I th- I think it, it's sad, but I I don't think enough people realize how beautiful video games truly are. You know, whether it's trying to teach somebody basic motor skills, like I mean, we we look at it as like art and the, the beautiful kind of landscapes and character models and and stories that they tell. But basic video games taught me motor skills, problem solving. Uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of, it taught me a lot about what I wanted to do and be in life. And part of me has accomplished a lot of that, you know, and I, you, I mean, you, you know, you've done a lot with me and for me and everything in terms of what we do for Nerds Gone Rogue. But like video games are, are a beautiful way to tell a story. They're a beautiful way to express a certain type of art style that you can't get anywhere else because it's interactive, right? You can, you can go to a museum and look at a painting. You can go to the movies and, and watch the movie and, you know, kind of critique how the movie was shot, camera angles, lighting, uh, uh, you know, CG versus practical effects. You can come home and watch TVs and experience like a, a whole season of a story arc. That's, could either be amazing or terrible depending on, on, you know, what show you're watching, but video games are beautiful because they have that interactive element in it and it allows you to participate in the art. It allows you to solve problems. You know what I, I, I think Tetris is the most beautiful, perfect game ever, you know, and it's, it's not a hard game conceptually, right? You make lines out of shapes that fall from the top and, the goal is to create lines before the screen fills up with the, with the shapes, right? 
but it's such a beautiful game. It teaches you how to solve problems. It teaches you how to, uh, you know, organize. It teaches, it teaches you organization. It teaches you timing. It teaches you problem solving. Right. And it, it, it almost teaches you, uh, basic architecture. If you, if you kind of include tricky towers in there, which is like the physics based Tetris game that just, uh, well, it came out a couple of years ago, but you know, it teaches, it teaches you a lot of things, you know, and what's beautiful about super Mario brothers is like the game teaches you by playing. So you have to solve the problems that, that literally lie in front of you. If you do not jump over that first Goomba, you will die. <laughs> like it, that's, it teaches you while playing, you know, uh, Zelda teaches you like, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of sticking with the games that we grew up with and kind of taught, you know, us things like Zelda taught you about exploration, right? Metroid taught you, oh man, I can, I can play an action movie, right? I mean, yes. that first Metroid is very heavily inspired by Alien, <laughs> you know, very true. Uh, you know, and, and then you get to, to co-op games where like you have to learn how to communicate with, with friends. Today's landscape of gaming is a perfect example of like Fortnite, destiny minecraft they teach you how to be cooperative they teach you how to communicate they teach you an elaborate like take a destiny raid for example the art the art in destiny is beautiful especially when you get into these raid situations Mm -hmm. but the most beautiful thing about a destiny raid is communication timing you know being at the right place at the right time and making sure you know it teaches it teaches you leadership skills and it teaches you teamwork and it teaches you communication which are three things that you really do need in life right yes and like these are there's a lot of things that people don't think about video games because they're like oh well you're shooting a gun and you're just shooting people you know and like i think when people think of video games they've they've moved away sadly from Super Mario Brothers into this realm of like Call of Duty and and Battlefield where you're just shooting people, which I get it. A lot of games today are that, you know, you are shooting people. Most popular game in the world right now is Fortnite and you shoot people. But if you if you're playing with your friends, it teaches you communication and timing and strat and strategy, right? And you kind of learn these things and it makes a person better whether you realize it or not at real life things right like i learned how to drive my car because i played a lot of gran turismo 3 on ps2 (laughs) oh wow you know i mean that's a that's a real thing like i learned how to drive because i played there are there are stories of people who have played driving games that became better motorists yeah because like it teaches you to look ahead on the road it teaches you how to like I mean, in a very broad sense, but it teaches you how to switch lanes. It teaches you how to, you know, if you don't want to damage the car and and lose, like, you know, the the integrity of the frame of the car, it teaches you how to merge correctly. Like, honestly, I learned all these things playing Gran Turismo Turismo 3 on PS2, and, like, that's how I learned how to drive, you know? Uh, I I think video games are beautiful in a lot of ways, 
you know, art is definitely one of them, especially today with a lot of the things that indie games are doing. You look at a game like Dead Cells or The Messenger or yes. Shovel Knight. Like, they do a lot of cool things. You look at a game like Faye or, or Ori, and you get this painterly look that's like, oh, man, it looks like I'm playing, like, a, a, a real-life painting. Or you get into Ratchet & Clank. Oh, man, it looks like I'm playing a Pixar movie, right? I mean, the Lego games, I'm literally playing with Legos, right, on the screen. There's so much that games do that are beautiful that it's like, you know, unfortunately, we still live in a society where a lot of places around the world still think video games are a children's toy, which, granted, a lot of video games still do aim for that younger audience, but they're teaching you things. Look at Minecraft. Look how many things Minecraft teaches you. Yes. Like literally teaches you how to craft things. Like you need this, 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 and this to create a tool. And then uh, in like, that's how you would really build a pickaxe is if you went out and got wood and some rocks and sharpen the rocks, that's how you make a pickaxe. Like you tie the rock to the pole and that gives you a hammer in which you can now knock things down, right? Yes. You know, it's I think I think video games are a great teaching tool. I think they're beautiful in so many ways just outside of art. And I know I know art is like the main reason why we're here, but like they're beautiful in so many other ways too and and I think people need to realize that and it's it's not just a children's thing anymore, you know. It's not just me being six years old begging for, <laughs> begging for Turtles three on the NES, and then I get the the follow the football clan for Game Boy instead, <laughs> you know. Which is a fine game, game, but I want to play it on my TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, video games are beautiful in so many ways, and if if you're a parent out there listening to this. Let your kids play and figure it out. You know, I mean, obviously you need to pay attention to what they're playing. You know, like you don't want a seven or eight year old playing Grand Theft Auto, right? But if you find the right games that they enjoy, you know, let them play Fortnite with their friends. Let them play Minecraft with their friends. Let them play Nintendo games, you know, because they will teach them things whether you know it or not, whether they know it or not. So... That's kind of that's kind of all I really have to say on that. I just video games are beautiful, man. Oh. Well, thank you, Corey, for delivering that epilogue. And like he said, trust me, video games. Did you know you you probably gonna write a blog about this? And I cannot wait. I hope you do. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get into some plugs, and uh, Corey, go ahead and plug away. Um, what is VGR <sighs> Radio and what is it all about? Wow. Okay. So you can uh, go to NGRRadio.com. There's a lot of things going on there now. You know, we have four separate YouTube channels, and, you know, Ed's a big part of most of them. <laughs> uh, you know, Ed Ed does so much work for me, you know, and, and I can't, I can't express how thankful i am for you <laughs> you know I, I just 
I I don't thank you enough. I don't tell you that I appreciate you enough. You know, it's just like I feel I know, I I was thinking about NGR Radio today, like just everything about it, and it's like we've really built something together. You know, you, me, Matt, and Moose, and Jesse, and Jason, and Jeff. Like we've all built something that you know it i i mean i'm just looking at the website right now and it's like we've built something you know and not it's not like everything is not like we don't always get stuff out on time we don't always have daily content or or you know stuff that we want to do or need to do and have time but like what we have done is really special you know and and you know, I'm really honored to be a part of this group, even though like, you know, you do a lot of the work and Matt hosts the shows and like, you know, we, we've, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't have had any of this without anybody, right. Without any of you guys. And like, the team is such a great team to work with. You know, everybody is so, great to work with and you know we we work a lot together more than other people i think i think you and i work the closest together out of everybody right you know aside from maybe jason and moose do a lot for nerds gone platinum but i think you know you and i do we work the closest out of everybody i think and like i don't i don't know if i could have done any of this without you you know same same here i i think i would have still i think i would have been stagnant if i didn't come to ngr radio i think if i stuck on other platforms and stuff i don't think i i would i don't think i would be at a better platform that i'm at now you know Mm -hmm. i think i still would have probably be not such as an unknown but I think I just wouldn't have progressed in what I love to do. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there was, there was a point where like, I mean, NGR radio started as like a community spinoff of the old group. I was a part of DNA. And like, that's kind of where we kind of started the pow block idea. Right. Is like, yeah, we're going to start this Nintendo show because nobody else really wanted to do it with me. And then like, not to anybody's fault, but like DNA kind of fell apart at like a rapid pace because people got busy or some people just didn't really want to do it anymore. And like, I was really stuck for a while. You know, I, it, you and I had a conversation about, do I just want to go do stuff on my own? And, but I still want to do NGR radio. Like, do I just keep this as a podcast and move out on my own? And then, but I still wanted to do power block too. And then we just kind of like fudged some things and put them together <laughs> on a, on a YouTube channel. And it was like, okay, well I guess we have two podcasts on one YouTube channel now. So I guess we're sticking with it. <laughs> and like, that's kind of how, you know, nerds gone rogue kind of started its own channel. Right. Like, you know, Matt and I started nerds gone rogue and then you and I started power block. I think we started Power Block before. You started Power Block before because we was on DNA when we did Power Block. 
before. Yeah, weekend. and like you know, we then we started doing two episodes a week because we just enjoyed doing it so much. And then yes. the switch was coming out, and like we were really do. We would sometimes do three or four <laughs> shows a week. <laughs> yes, like literally, some news would drop, and I'd be like, "Corey, we need to record." <laughs> yeah, and it's just like. Honestly, I don't know if NGR Radio would exist without you, you know, like as it does today. You know, I I mean, Matt and I would probably still be doing NGR Radio proper podcast. Yes. But I don't know if Nerds Gone Rogue would exist without you, you know, and, and I don't know. I don't know if a lot of people know that, you know, and, and I, I wish more people knew that. And that, I mean, that's why I'm saying it now. But, like, NGR Radio would exist, but Nerds Gone Rogue as a whole would not exist without you. We would not have spun out Arsenal X without you. We would not have Nerds Gone Platinum without you. Granted, neither of us are really a part of that show. But, I mean. We we had a PlayStation podcast. It went on hiatus. We brought it back. And we found found the right group of people who are taking it on. And so, mm-hmm. um, I and mean, I mean, Nerds Gone Platinum is like it's our second most downloaded show on the network, you know, and it's incredible what they've done with that show. Yes, I, I'm I'm extremely proud of them too, you know, and I I don't know, I just feel like I'm rambling now, but I'm just <laughs> I'm ex, I'm just extremely proud of everybody and you and what we've done, you know, and it's it's something special and something that, you know, if we stop doing it tomorrow, it's something that will always be an important part of my life. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was that it's something I will always associate with my life. You know, I, I think probably in, we're, we're going to get to the end. <laughs> I swear. Uh, I think even if NGR radio came to a close, I don't think I would never join another, another group again and if you wanted to bring it back i'll be i'm down for it like yeah like to me ngr radio is like home to me yeah and it's it's like it's a thing i look forward to every monday night and it's a thing i look forward to every saturday like us recording shows and and you know we're ramping up for season four of pod and play and and indie showcase season two right and it's like I'm excited for the weekend. Like, like, I don't know when when this episode is coming out, but like next weekend, my wife and kid are going out of town, and it's like I'm excited to get these shows done. It's like something I'm actively excited for. Yes, I. It's we're going to be busy for 2019, everybody. Yeah, we're going to be putting in major work. <laughs> I know, and like we're kind of like revamping squad goals a little bit to, you know, like it's, I'm well, revamping is kind of the wrong word, but like we haven't really done anything for squad goals in a while. I'm really excited for, and Jesse and I have been doing blackout mode for Royale with cheese. Like we have so many cool little things that we've been doing, yes. and like I just I'm excited for 2019 because like we're debuting your new show in GR Arcade. Ah. <sighs> Which is, you know, the celebration of arcade games, which is our new seasonal show and kind of want to test the waters to see how it does. But like, that's a cool, that's a cool idea for a new seasonal show. 
Yes. You know? And, you know, I, I'm just extremely proud of everybody. And I know I'm supposed to be plugging. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I've just, I'm extremely, extremely proud of everybody. And like, I'm working on getting all the episodes of Optional Opinion up on NGR Radio too. It's like, which, yes, everybody, uh, new episodes will be coming back. I, I, I kind of drifted away from it, even like with the moment on, um, on, on another page. Um, I'm, I'm be coming back to that too. Uh, but yeah, more new optional opinion is going to come back. I still have my list for the season and then I'm about to get ready to make a new list and get a new intro and just ready to dive in. Cause, uh, I got to get my, I got to get ready for my game of the year stuff. And so just like you trying to get through games through 2019, I have a lot to get through. Yeah. Yeah. I have, so, I have so many things to get through before the end of the year. Uh, uh but. Yeah. Anyways, you can you can find all of NGR Radio's content on <laughs> ngrradio.com and uh, subscribe to the corresponding YouTube pages. Uh, Ed and I, in particular, work on Nintendo Power Blocks YouTube page and all that content and uh, Arsenal X, which I haven't really been a part of lately because I don't. It's just We've busy and but you and you and Jesse like. That's another thing. Like you and Jesse do such a good job. Like sometimes when I come on the show, I mean, I feel like this on every show, but like I feel like I'm hindering the show because I I just there once in a while, you know. And it's like, <laughs> like I like like yesterday when we recorded NGR Radio, Matt was out taking care of some personal stuff, and mm-hmm. I hosted, and I'm like, this show feels way off when I'm hosting. Like it just <laughs> it the cadence doesn't feel right. Like everything just feels off, you know? And like, I like being the Robin to Matt's Batman on that show. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, I like that role in that show, you know? Uh, you know, I don't even really like hosting, you know, I, I host Nintendo power lock because that's kind of where I place me in this thing. And like, you know, I don't like, for example, you host Arsenal X, Right. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind building that show and creating like show notes for that show yeah. and just letting you host it. But you've taken over and kind of just got all the show notes and everything ready for that show. And it's like on one shoulder, it's like a weight off my shoulder. But on the other shoulder, it's like, I feel bad because I just kind of like, <laughs> I hope I, I hope it didn't come off as me pushing the show off on you. Oh, actually, yeah. actually, no, it's it, to me, it, it kind of released me because, yes, everybody, we're going to get to the end. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm kind of dragging uh, this out. It 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 released me because like I I don't want too much to be too much pressure too much work to be on you. So anything I could do to take that off, um, that helps you. Uh, it, it just brings me kind of joy and happiness. Just like you are able to have a more balanced life and balance work with, uh, with NGR radio, you know, and if you're gone, that's why, that's why, like, that's why I tell the listeners, it's just like, yeah, Corey's not here. Um, he works really hard this week, you know, on the site or, uh, well, in personal like, life, like there's things, there's a lot of things behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know that you do. And sometimes you need a break. 
yeah, like this this weekend, uh, this this past weekend, I I don't usually work on Saturdays, but I mm-hmm. went in and I went in and worked on Saturday, like six hours, and then we recorded a two hour power block, and then what? There's something else Saturday I did, and by the time I was done doing everything, it was like eight o'clock, and I'm like finally sitting down to edit. I I I sat down to edit. Nerds Gone Rogue. At 8 o'clock, I edited Nerds Gone Rogue, the B-Sides, three episodes of Pod and Play, two episodes of <laughs> Royale with Cheese, because Jesse and I played some uh, PUBG. And then I sat down to play Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and then Jesse got on line, and we played some Blackout mode, and I was like starting to doze off while we were playing Blackout. And I was like... I literally don't know if I can make it till time Ed gets home. <laughs> and then I went to bed at 1 a.m. And I was I was so tired. <laughs> and that's completely fine. And me. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's like my a typical Saturday, except for, like, I usually don't work on Saturdays. But on Saturday mornings, I get up early. I I make breakfast for my wife and I. And then I watch the baby while she goes to the gym. And then I usually go to the gym when she gets home and then we record power block. <laughs> and then my, my, like my day starts at like 4 PM, <laughs> Free you know? Much, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I wouldn't trade the stuff that we do for the world. You know, I, I love doing it. And like last week, something popped up in my Instagram or my Facebook feed. It was the switch announcement trailer my wife and I were on our honeymoon, and while she was in the shower, I watched the Switch announcement trailer and made an Instagram <laughs> video about it. I was like, I was like, man. And then, and then I just read all the comments. Everybody was yelling at me, like, "You're on your honeymoon. Stop talking about video games for once." And I'm like, "She's in the shower. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> I do what I want. Content is content." Yeah. So I mean, I. I I love what we're doing and you know it's it's kind of like a nice balance cuz like I feel like everybody has the understanding like everybody can just be involved in how much they want to be involved in you know and and not feel pressured to do everything you know Yes I would like a better computer to edit stuff with though that's the only thing Yeah like this computer is like it's surviving. <laughs> That's what I have to say. It's, it's Metal Gear surviving. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. Pump, oh. uh, pump. Yeah. But well, where anyways, can, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at CoreyNHD86 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you want to watch some live streams, you can also follow me on twitch.tv slash CoreyNHD uh, or on various podcasts around the world yes yeah <laughs> uh and you guys can find optional opinion on soundcloud itunes google play tune in and other podcast apps um you can also find me on ngrradio.com like arsenal x um i have my optional opinion blogs on there so if you guys want to read the video video games you can read at ngrradio.com like Corey said i co-host nintendo pod blog with jesse and him 
Um, also check out Nurse Gone Rogue, Nurse Gone Platinum, and a lot of content for NGR Radio on our homepage and on YouTube. Um, you can also email the show of optional opinion at my up to comments at yahoo.com kind of still want to know what you guys think about the video video games and uh, i want to reveal what i'm doing next year uh, volume five will be once again an ngr radio exclusive and i cannot wait to do this one i it's going to be so much fun um, a lot of research still like 18 blogs for you guys to uh check out um and hopefully, you know, we'll have Corey back on if he cares to come back uh, and do an episode. And I'll still have other guests coming on. But everybody, I will, I will make time if you invite me. Ed. I will make time. Uh, you know what the next one is, right? You can't say it if you know it. Oh, I know. I'm, okay. I'm my mouth shut. I know what's happening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And once again, Corey, thank you for delivering the epilogue. Thank you for allowing me to bring this project to NGRRadio.com. Everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. Um, Enjoy some beautiful video games. Check out some old episodes of Optional Opinion on SoundCloud. Um, And also, no, go play some old video games or some modern video games. You know, if you love the uh, what video games teaches you, if you love the art, these characters, and you enjoy these stories, go ahead and revisit them. Me and one of my friends, and this is the end, everybody. One of my friends is doing a drawing of the uh, Big Daddy from Bioshock, and I have the Bioshock collection for PlayStation 4, so I might jump in. So you might hear that taco Arsenal X while me still playing Breath of the Wild. I would give you progress. If you want to know more about that, check out Nintendo Power Block. Our YouTube show of uh, that video is on uh comes on Tuesdays and our snacks comes on Wednesdays. So everybody, have a great week, have a great weekend, and as always, we love you. Well, that's more Corey say, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> and we are out. Bye everybody. Bye, guys.